Friends, will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Let us pray. O gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Listen for what God is sharing with us this morning. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon My slaves, both men and women. In those days I will pour out My Spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, when I was a kid growing up, I was highly active in our youth group. It helped that my older sister was also active and that as a younger sibling, I always looked up to her and the older kids in the youth group and I wanted to be just like them. Well, anyway, I was highly active. 
I always participated in all of the youth group activities, the lock-ins, the mission trips, camps and conferences, and youth Sundays. Sometimes my parents forced me to go. Other times I went out of a sense of duty. But regardless, many of those experiences I had in youth group left an indelible mark on my faith. Growing up in, a, in my small little church, we were always loved and supported by our church members. In fact, many of those church members recognized my call to ministry before I ever knew what a call to ministry even was. They saw my leadership potential and even called me to serve as the first youth elder elected in that congregation's history. It was a great joy and a tremendous honor to serve in that capacity, and it led to many watershed moments in my faith and ultimately in my call to ministry. One such experience was when our youth group attended the Senior High Youth Connection at Austin College in Sherman, Texas, about an hour and a half north of Dallas. Shisey, as it was known, was a weekend gathering of high school youth from across Grace Presbytery, which encompasses the greater part of North Texas. Like many Presbyterian youth gathering, gatherings, Shisey was a high-energy weekend with challenging theme presentations and keynote speakers, thought-provoking and encouraging small groups, dynamic music and worship. And if you've ever been to Triennium or Montreat, you know about the Presbyterian Youth Standard and often dreaded Energizers. I'll tell you more about uh, Energizers some other time. But for now, I want to tell you about, continue telling you about this experience. So one of the cool things about Presbyterian gatherings is our attention and focus on worship. These Presbyterian gatherings often showcase creative and collaborative ideas for worship and often provide participants an opportunity to experience worship in ways that they may not have ever been exposed to. In addition, Presbyterian youth gatherings also tend to offer communion together on a scale few of us ever get to experience. Worshiping with um, hundreds of and thousands of other Presbyterians can be a truly remarkable experience. Well, these Presbyterian youth gatherings also tend to invite youth, especially those who have been ordained as elders, to help serve both in worship and in communion. And that's where my own personal experience comes in. As a youth elder, I was encouraged to participate and help to serve communion. Of course, there was much trepidation on my part. This was a new experience, and I'm not one for too much attention. It was also intimidating to think that I was going to be serving close to a thousand youth and adult volunteers communion on that Sunday morning. But as we began serving all those people in, in the gymnasium of that college campus, something started to happen. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it felt like something bigger than, than any of us was taking hold. There was this presence, this 
movement that was going on. After we had finished serving communion to everyone, I noticed that I had this overwhelming sense of peace wash over me. It was absolutely incredible. Now, it wasn't until years later as I was discerning my call to ministry that I I was able to reflect on that time and name what I had experienced that day. For me, that overwhelming sense of peace, that incredible feeling I had, could only be described as the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it wasn't like what the prophet Elijah experienced when he fled from Jezebel to Mount Horeb. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. That was Elijah's experience. So maybe it wasn't as dramatic as those accounts in the Bible, but for me, I know that the Holy Spirit was present and moving in that place. That weekend was one of those watershed moments that helped me help shape not only my faith, but ultimately the trajectory of my life. I share this story with you not only because we're just getting to know one another and this was a meaningful experience in my life, but I share this because that was a Pentecost moment in my life. The Holy Spirit came down. It moved in that place. It was real. It spoke to me and I understood. Indeed, today we celebrate Pentecost in our church calendar year. It has been 50 days since Easter. Who can believe it? Anybody still have Easter candy? I didn't think so. Today we celebrate what many consider as the birthday of the church The Holy Spirit came down and descended upon the apostles and the other followers of Jesus while they were in Jerusalem celebrating the feast day of Shavuot or the feast of weeks, 50 days after the Passover. In the Jewish tradition, this is one of the pilgrimage festivals, a time when every family would embark on a journey together into Jerusalem as a sign of their faith to observe this festival commemorating and celebrating the wheat harvest. People would bring in their first fruits from their harvest and present them in the temple through ceremony and tradition. They would present them as an offering. Scripture tells us that the apostles had gathered there in Jerusalem to observe the festival, and then suddenly a sound like the rush of a violent wind came down from heaven, filling the entire house they were sitting in. Divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now I find this part of the passage very intriguing that the Holy Spirit would come down and impart the gift of languages to the gathered community. 
as a native Spanish speaker on various occasions throughout my life, I have found myself overhearing conversations in Spanish and being able to understand what's going on and what's being said. In fact, I've often used this to my advantage. I can't tell you how many times I've noticed someone speaking Spanish and then I'll communicate back to them in Spanish and inevitably they, they look at me with a sense of disbelief. ¿Hablas español? You speak Spanish? In those moments, it's comforting to me to be able to understand what's going on. But I've also experienced the other side of things when the languages I speak don't help me understand the situation. In those times, I think, why can't they speak a language that I understand? Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in a native language of each. So I imagine that the gathered community must have felt a sense of comfort along with their bewilderment and astonishment. The Reverend Dr. Stephanie Crumpton, Associate Professor of Practical Theology at McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago, speaks to this very point. She says, people who spoke those different languages heard accents and words and syntaxes that were familiar. As a result, they did not have, have to nudge the person next to them and ask, what are they saying? What was that word? What does this mean? Nor did they have to take, take on the shame that often comes with having to confess, I don't understand. They could hear the good news of God for themselves. No one had to abandon the culture that gave them identity in order to hear from God. So in other words, God met those people where they were. They didn't have to change or to accommodate someone else's sense of how things should be, how someone should act, how someone should fit in. They just had to be who they were called to be. Well, earlier this week, a Facebook post went viral, and it continues to gain momentum. On May 29th, the Kopelman family decided to embark on a family vacation to Universal Studios Resort in Orlando. Sounds fun. I wish I could go. Now, this trip was particularly special because it was little Ralph's first trip to Universal, and he was extremely excited to go. Now, let me share a little bit about Ralph from, from his mother, Lenore, and her Facebook post. Ralph is awesomely autistic, and we are proud to be a neurodiverse family. As wonderful, loving, intelligent, and incredible as Ralph is, sometimes he struggles. Don't we all? When he struggles the hardest, he can have something known as an autistic meltdown. Some people who are not educated about autism might see it as a temper tantrum, but the fact of the matter is that it is not the act of a spoiled and naughty child. It's a cry for help. This is Ralph's way of saying, I don't know how to monitor and regulate my emotions right now. 
I need help, please. I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. I want to feel better and I don't know how. And here came Jen to the rescue. First, I should explain that Ralph was extremely excited to ride the Spider-Man ride at Islands of Adventure. He kept, asking, kept on asking us if the ride was coming up soon, and we would reassure him and say, soon, baby, soon. There are other rides before that one. That one is at the end. It's the last, it's the last island. So we have to ride the other ones first, okay? He was so patient for so long. As patient as he possibly could be, he would say, okay, and sigh. And then um, enjoy the next ride. But all the while, the excitement was building up to the pinnacle of his day. The Spider-Man ride near the exit of Islands of Adventure. The anticipation was driving him wild, but he did his very best to regulate it with the tools he has been given over the years by his teachers and therapy team at his special needs school back home. When we finally got back to Spider-Man, he was leaping for joy. He thought, oh wow, this is it, finally. And you should have seen the smile on his face. It was incredible. Then, when it was almost our turn to board and he could see the end in sight, the vehicles right in front of us, we got the news that the ride had broken down. Everyone was nicely asked to exit and Ralph, understandably, lost it. Wouldn't you? My husband and I know the signs. We could see it coming like an oncoming train and yet we couldn't dodge out of the way. There was nowhere else to go. The autistic meltdown was going to happen. And happen it did. Ralph collapsed on the floor while crowds of people were attempting to exit the ride and the gift shop attached to it. He began sobbing, screaming, rocking, hyperventilating, and truly struggling to breathe. A woman who worked there named Jen came over no, no, she rushed over. And while I frantically kept trying to get him to stand up so he wouldn't get trampled on by people, she encouraged me to leave him on the floor if that's where he needed to be. Then she did this. She got down on the floor with him. She rested next to him while he cried his heart out and she helped him breathe again. She spoke to him so calmly, and while he screamed and sobbed, she gently kept encouraging him to let it all out. She told people to keep on walking around them so they would uh, stop standing there and staring. And then she told him it was okay for him to be sad and feel this way. She understood. She would feel the same way too. His feelings were validated. And she told him he could lay there with her as long as he needed to, until he felt better. Eventually, he did feel better, thanks to Jen and her knowledge about what to do. I asked her how she knew how to do that, and she told me that everyone at Universal Studios gets special training when it comes to people who are awesomely autistic, as well as other special needs. I hugged her for the longest time. Several times, if I'm being honest. Now what an incredible story. What an incredible Pentecost moment. 
We don't know what that family believes. We don't know what Jen believes. But what we do know is that the Holy Spirit moves and breathes in incredible and life-giving ways. Friends, this is the miracle of the Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. It meets us where we are. It meets us in a way that communicates with us even if that language seems to be different than those around us. It meets us in the sweaty old gym where teens are gathered in the name of the Lord. It even meets us in the long lines of chaotic amusement parks when awesomely autistic little boys can't cope any longer. It meets us like the sound of violent wind. It meets us in the still soft moments when we need to clear away all of the other noise. Friends, thanks be to God for these Pentecost moments. For it is in these moments when we too can be empowered to be Christ's hands and feet in this world, carrying forth the good news of God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen.